Hi, my name is Blake, and I have just a quick note before we get started. Actually, it's more like a recommendation, because this podcast is a sonic fantasy, and what you're about to hear is best experienced with headphones on, imagination on, and everything else turned off. Welcome to Abandoned, the All-American Ruins podcast. I've always been of the opinion that if someone says they've been somewhere, it means they've spent more than a passing moment, immersing themselves in that place, letting their bodies experience the newness of it, allowing their minds to feel the uncertainty and unfamiliarity. For me, to say I've been somewhere indicates that I've peeked around the corners of that place, into the alleyways that draw divisions between the backsides of buildings. And it means I've run my curious little fingers along the walls that line the streets and stooped off sidewalks to inspect odds and ends that litter the corroded concrete and stared into the shallow puddles, made eye contact with myself in the reflection of the unfiltered water and permitted myself to wonder what life would be like if I too lived here. Yeah, you know, it's my first time here. It means I've asked the locals, alive or ghosts, all kinds of questions and inquired about the history and the meaning of this place. It means I've tried to figure out why it's important to them. I like to ask questions like, how long have you been here? Or, have you always wanted to be here? Or, is this what you call home? It's late May in 2020, and I'm on a mission to help a friend pick up a new car down at the border of Maryland and West Virginia. We are scurrying down Interstate 81 through Allentown, Pennsylvania, the American mecca of abandoned spaces, and we're listening to Billy Joel's Allentown. As we whiz by abandoned factory after abandoned factory, A funny feeling starts to creep up into my stomach, like I recognize this place even though I've never been here. I feel... a longing. Deep in my belly, something almost otherworldly. Unbeknownst to me, this joyride through the ruins of the American Rust Belt is about to open a portal into my past and reintroduce me to a lifelong fascination of mine, an intense curiosity I've always possessed, ever since I was a kid for unknown, unfamiliar spaces. It's late May of 2020, and the United States' death toll has surpassed 100,000 people. I'm terrified. I feel isolated and alone, and my mental health is starting to rapidly deteriorate, which is why I say, fuck it, and take this six-hour caravan down to Cumberland, a mountain town that rests quietly on the border of West Virginia and Maryland. This trek takes me through a small slice of the country I haven't seen before and admittedly don't know much about, aside from the teeny bit I can muster up in my memory of AP U.S. history. When I think about countryside Pennsylvania, I think about Amish people making really great furniture. 
and vistas of rolling crop fields and beautifully restored barns basking in the shadows of windmills, cozying up to cow pastures, and high school football games with those bright lights you can see from the highway, and roadside bowling alleys, and gas stations, and lumber yards. And those things are there. I can see all of them. But then, as we dive deeper into the wilds of the Pennsylvanian landscape, I begin to see dilapidated after dilapidated building, and ruins of factories, and churches, and community centers, and schools, and houses, whizzing by like phantoms, and I feel my brain start to churn. What the hell happened to these places? Who let this happen? And why do I feel like I've been here before? And the more I gaze intently out the window, the more this familiar sort of nostalgia seeps into my belly. It's really difficult to describe the feeling, and perhaps you identify. It's an almost longing in my tummy for a place I've never seen, a history I've never known, likely born out of an overactive imagination. It is, and has always been, a feeling all too familiar to me, something that I've known for a long, long time. I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the foothills of the Rockies. My backyard was a steep hill that faced the western front, gazing up at the 9,000-some-odd-foot Blodgett Peak that towered over my neighborhood, which backed up to the United States Air Force Academy's southern border. It's an area famous for peregrine falcon sightings, and it was, at one time, the site of one of the largest tuberculosis sanatoriums in the world. And at the mouth of that very suburban neighborhood where I took my first steps, there was an abandoned dairy farm. Many long, sunny afternoons were spent traipsing down a steep hill to a field where ruins from a time before mine were tucked away, protected by palatial ponderosa in the shadows of Susian sandstone. It looked haunted, but not in a bad way. The structure itself, made up of a few stone buildings, a barn, and a brick silo, was inviting, at least to my six-year-old self. I was always drawn to this property by an unknown source. I don't know if I would call it paranormal, though it did always feel like something ethereal was calling out to me to come and explore the wondrous decay of it all. Going to the abandoned dairy farm brought me a sense of inner peace right in my gut, and it grounded me in a way that I didn't feel anywhere else in the world, not in my bedroom, not at church, not on the playground, not in the woods. It was in this aging, decomposing spot where real people used to work that I felt centered and calm and safe. I felt connected to it like I was aching for a time and a place I'd never known, but felt I did. Mm. 
recently I've come to discover that this undefinable sensation has a name. Almost. In many offbeat online philosophy circles, it's often referred to as anamoya, a deep feeling of nostalgia for a time one has never known. As I was researching the word, I came across a fascinating website, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, run by this guy, John Koenig. But John's not the only person who's made an attempt to understand this sensation. Looking further, I discovered that C.S. Lewis championed a German term that also vaguely describes it. Sensucht, inconsolable longing for we know not what. I also found someone on a Reddit thread who coined the phrase vicarious nostalgia, which seems to sort of fit the bill. Ish. But whatever this all-encompassing sensation was that I felt right down to my toes brought me peace, and I sought it out as much as I could. On every quest to the abandoned dairy farm, which was strictly off-limits to trespassers, and probably a no-no in my family to visit solo. I found myself engaging in made-up conversations with imaginary characters who might have once lived there. And these inventions of dialogue made me feel even closer to the place and time which I had never known or experienced. I don't know how else to explain it. I felt as though I'd been there before, that I belonged there, and with my imaginary friends, the dairy farmer, his wife, and their kids, I found kinship and safety and meaning. Which is probably why I don't remember the day the farm burned down. I must have blocked it out of my memory, but recently I was reminded by my mother that we went as a family to watch it go up in flames. From route court, we could see the flames shooting into the sky. By the way, that's my mom. It was that high, yes. She has a really good memory and as an English teacher, away with words. Actually, I think I said that, that they were licking the sky and then I thought, oh my gosh, that's so cliche. She was also the first champion of my sizable imagination. My name is Elizabeth Ferguson File. She also helped jog my memory about the fire at the dairy farm. I lived in Colorado for 35 years. My mother's recollection of this fire was tough to swallow. Because when the smoke cleared and nothing was left but the charred remains of a time before ours, it made my mom feel a certain way, and not just about the dairy farm, but abandoned spaces in general. It's very sad. You know how I am even about abandoned places. There's good and bad about abandoned spaces, according to my mom. Because on the one hand, when she sees an abandoned space... I like to imagine what went on. I am just like my mother, using my imagination to fill in the gaps... But I think the troublesome part is much greater emotion for me. It seems so selfish that people just leave stuff. They're not accountable. And it's, there are so many homeless people. I don't, it just really bugs me. But the emotion goes even deeper for her and can be one of the downsides to having a powerful imagination. Because sometimes, when she sees an abandoned space, 
she thinks people lived there or went to school there and and now it's gone i just want to cry because i don't know just it's all waste it's just such a tremendous waste of resources and to add insult to injury years later i felt like someone had ripped my heart out of my chest when i returned once again to the site of the collapsing dairy farm and found it had been completely bulldozed over and revitalized by overpriced condos. You know, and then they put all those condos in there. That didn't really fit my colorful fantasy of the dairy farmer, his wife, and their son. They're Mediterranean. It doesn't even fit with the landscape. For years, the Neighborhood Association held high hopes of wiping out the dairy farm in order to build these monstrosities. And they're about a million bucks a piece now. Lucky for them that this mysterious fire happened, leaving them free to do just that. I was devastated. It was almost as if someone had torn down my own childhood home and tried to dissolve the identity of a place that I knew so well, even though I didn't. The story of the dairy farm had come to an end, but nobody seemed to care. But I did. I cared. Though I didn't know the actual facts, or better, the truth, behind the buildings on that land, which apparently was owned and operated by the nuns of Mount St. Francis, an abbey which also found a home in my childhood neighborhood, I knew that it was exceedingly likely that someone had lived a life on that property, and toiled and worked and sweat, and felt things, and experienced loss, pain, love, joy, just trying to get by in this complicated life. As Annette Benning's character in 20th Century Women describes it, life, life is was very, big. very big and unknown. unknown. And then, it was gone. There was no memorial marker, no photographs, nothing. Just ugly-ass condos. I'm tearing across Pennsylvania, passing abandoned factory after abandoned factory, and I start to think about the dairy farm. Which is when I realize Billy Joel is on and I begin to feel that same sensation of vicarious nostalgia, of sensucht, of anamoya creeping into my belly. And I begin to wonder about all the people whose stories echo behind the walls of these abandoned spaces. I think about the history, their history, what it means in the context of the country, the world, why did this happen the way that it happened? Did people suffer working in these places? Or were they happy? Did they feel the peace and calm that comes with a life of fulfillment? I want to know. I want to see it up close. And after all, at that point, we were only four months into the pandemic, and I remember thinking to myself... I'm not about to join the masses of people who just can't seem to get enough of their indoor dining experiences or maskless gatherings. No. I'm about to play hardball 
with a virus. And in that moment, I realize I can do it. As I decide to dig into this lifelong fascination and spend as much time as conceivably possible locating abandoned properties, exploring them, documenting them, but then what? Just leave those photos to gather dust and mold? Like the insides of these abandoned places I'm so interested in capturing? So I begin to research, and I discover that many of these haunts have little to no published history online about what happened there. Almost as if the stories that reverberated through the walls of these abandoned factories, and warehouses, and churches, and psychiatric hospitals, and apartment buildings, and quarries, and fairgrounds, and hotels, and inns, and homes just don't matter to anybody. But I think they matter. It's four months into a pandemic, and I haven't felt safe the entire time, unless I'm at my house. And even then, there are endless nights where I lie awake and wonder, what will happen if people really, truly do lose their minds? Will they start looting? Will they bring weapons? I am afraid of them. I'm also afraid of an invisible army that won't stop killing people. I'm afraid of my government, who won't stop letting people die, won't stop encouraging people to ignore the truth and the gravity of this incredibly dire moment in our collective history. Our global collective history. We are, after all, part of a larger planet. And it's baffling to me that this so-called superpower country has, at the time of this recording, suffered a loss of almost 900,000 of its citizens. Just to put that into perspective, that's the approximate population of the entire city of San Francisco. And for me, that fact is highly disturbing. It is a time full of deep despair and confusion and rage, politically, socially, economically, environmentally, culturally. People are starting to show their truest selves. I think everyone believes that they're doing the right thing. Or maybe they're not. I can't tell anymore. But fear is real. And willful ignorance is also real. So maybe it's me. Or maybe it's them. There's a dividing line, and we are all on one side of a very high wall or the other. And somehow, despite the despair and the pain, I've been able to, since late May of 2020, find solace and comfort and humility inside abandoned spaces. I've become connected to something bigger than myself. Because if I listen hard enough, the crumbling walls talk to me about mortality and how it's nothing to be afraid of. The ghosts who wander through these spaces have already lived lives, some full and rich, others not. And even if I don't know their stories because I can only make them up in my head, these ghosts, these spirits have saved my life. With the world feeling like it's burning down all around us, 
I've claimed sanctuary in these spaces of the past and reconfigured them in my mind as sacred, holy spaces. With every passing day, we have witnessed, in real time, the rapid ruin of life as we know it. And it has sparked a collective trauma that will likely last us for the rest of our lives in unimaginable ways. But in these abandoned spaces, which have already experienced all of the drudge and decay of life as we know it, there is a strange feeling of refuge and safety and comfort, for they serve as sobering reminders of what is truest and most fundamental to humanity, that life is, indeed, precious, short, and it can disappear in the twitch of an eye with one solvent breath. In a field guide to getting lost, author Rebecca Solnit states that ruins become the unconscious of a city, its memory unknown, darkness, lost lands, and in this, truly bring it to life. And to me, what we need now is to feel as much life as possible, wherever we can. Welcome to Abandoned the All-American Ruins podcast. Join me for this first season as I take you on a sonic journey recounting my expeditions of abandoned spaces across the United States, transformed into fantastical audio experiences that allow you, dear listener, to dive into my imagination with me, or maybe inspire you to go out and use your own. It's a wild ride, and you don't want to miss it, so make sure you do what all of those favorite podcasts of yours encourage you to do, which is rate, review, and subscribe so I can keep feeling the fantasy with you. And if you like to read or enjoy amateur photography, you can also catch up on more of my adventures at allamericanruins.com or follow me on Instagram at allamericanruins. Abandoned, the All-American Ruins podcast is hosted and produced by me, Blake File, with engineering and mixing courtesy of Radio Kingston, WKNY AM 1490, FM 107.9 in Kingston, New York. Special thanks to Ida Hakala, Jimmy Buff, and Manuel Blas for the mentorship and encouragement, my TMI Project family for all of the editorial help, and to my mom, Elizabeth Ferguson File, for taking time to chat with me and show me just how to use my imagination. 